Welcome to another edition of the Asheville Sound. Today we are joined by two fine musicians who are joining us from two different countries. We have Alex Taub on the line from Canada and Scott Feiner on the line from Brazil. They have a new duo album coming out called Six Feet Apart. I'm on the line with Scott Feiner and Alex Taub. How are you doing, guys? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having us. Doing great, John. Absolutely. So let's see. Um, I think we're probably all in different cities right now, aren't we? Uh, Alex, are you up north? I am up north. Yeah, I'm in Montreal right now. That's way up there. That is way up there where it's a balmy uh, 27, actually. A full 15 degrees warmer than it was all last week, though. Very happy about that. At least it's not negative, right? At least it's not. It's getting close. If we're talking Celsius, it's absolutely in the negatives. Mm. And Scott, are you down south? I am way down south. <laughs> how, did you, how, did, how did you know? Yeah, I'm down in Brazil right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I read in your bio that seems to be where you like to reside. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're really spread out right now. But the magic, of, <laughs> magic of technology, here we are together. Um, so, so yeah, we're here to, um, talk about and promote your, uh, upcoming release six feet apart. Uh, Scott is a, a very fine, um, Pandero player and Alex is a equally fine piano player. And if anybody in the Asheville scene, uh, pays attention, they'd know that Alex was a mainstay here for a long time. Um, a great player who was really active in lots of groups. I don't think I ever met you personally, Alex, but I've seen you play yeah, several, several times. This is the first time I think we're actually actually meeting. Appreciate yeah, that. yeah, but I'm a fan of your work. And Scott, um, you're new to me, but I looked up your uh, your work and lots of good stuff out there. And uh, Pandero is a really a interesting instrument that not many people specialize in. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm a percussionist as well, and I've been to many master classes, like PASIC master classes for okay. the instrument, but. I never tried it myself. I know there's lots of nuance to it and it's uh, a lot more to it than it looks. Uh, and I'm really kind of blown away by listening to some of your previous releases uh, and this one, how many just different sounds you can get out of this thing. And for people who aren't aware what that instrument is, it's uh, kind of like a tambourine, but like the Brazilian version, um, little frame drum with jingles on it and a head. And um, if you know what you're doing, you can make it sound exactly like a drum set and even more so um i really enjoyed listening to your music there scott and uh reading the um the press release bio for this album sounds like uh this album and your duo here is a lot like this podcast it wouldn't exist without the pandemic right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it it was uh it definitely was the result of the pandemic you know in uh in a in a lot of ways yeah and uh I read in the bio how you guys met and it sounds like uh, Alex, were you playing like a porch party or something? I was playing a little porch concert. Yep. Just trying to get out and do anything, you know, okay. distance with masks on. Um, so I was grateful for some opportunities during the pandemic to uh, 
just play at all with another human being. Was that uh, the yeah. was that the live at Linden or a different one? A uh, different one. That was over okay. on uh, what what was that? What's that road? Logan. Logan. Yeah, Logan yeah. Avenue, where I wound up, where I wound up living, actually, which was crazy. So, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can give you the whole the whole story. It's like something out of a movie script, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Lay, lay it on us. We have time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I had you know, you mentioned uh, Rio and and where was that? I actually left. I'm originally from New York City, and uh, came down to Brazil, Rio specifically, in 2001. And it really was all about the Pandeiro, Brazilian music in general, but specifically the Pandeiro. And wound up living here for 13 years. And in 2014, I went back to New York and was there up, up until the pandemic. So once the pandemic hit, I was about four months into, uh, into it in a studio apartment in Chelsea. And uh, it was just, it was getting too much. You know, I needed some fresh air. I needed some hiking trails and just needed to get out of there. So I went down to Asheville. I mean, I don't want to say on a whim, but, you know, we really was just like, okay, where could I drive that wouldn't be too far, that's got some structure to it, that's got some culture when, when there's not a pandemic and plenty of hiking trails. And so I, I, I went down to, uh, to Asheville and actually um, just did like an Airbnb thing, you know, kind of bounced around a bunch of different Airbnbs for the summer of what year are we in? 2020. And so I was in one of those Airbnbs on uh on uh, Logan Circle, and I was actually I was just driving up away from the house in the car, and I heard some music, some live music. And I was like, "Wait a second. And I specifically heard some piano playing that I liked. So I pulled the car over, and uh, luckily the window was down. Like if the window hadn't been down, I might not hear it. <laughs> a lot of you know, there's a lot of little factors there. I mean, we're talking about like it was a Monday afternoon, you know, whatever, five or six pm or something. So I liked what I heard and I, I pulled over and I got out of the car and um, listened to some more and um, and uh, lo and behold it was it was Alex playing and and I walked up and, and just uh, said hello and c- congratulated him on sounding so good and and uh, just by uh, just by coincidence I happened to have this T-shirt on that had a pandero on it which was this website that I used to run I, I, I don't anymore but. Had a pandero on the on the uh, on the shirt and uh, as part of the logo and and Alex said I'm like hey, what's with that shirt and I said oh it's this Brazilian drum called a pandero and he goes yeah yeah no I I know what the drum is but what's your name and you know, so I said told him my name and uh, and it turned out he had one of my albums which was <laughs> just just like what you know I'm in this city of a hundred thousand people in uh, in Western North Carolina like you know I did not realize it had that kind of reach. <laughs> so uh, at the time, I really wasn't playing. I hadn't been playing for a few years, believe it or not. And Alex, uh, you know, he, he expressed interest in just getting together and playing some. And I was like, um, I'm not really up for it right now, but let's go hiking, you know, at some point. So we started to hang out a little bit, go on some hikes, have some meals over uh, his place with his girlfriend. And, um, and eventually, after a few months, I got the... I got the uh, kind of the earth to do some playing. So I went over to his place. It was, the first time we played was hilarious because it was still pre-vaccine time. And um, so we were, that's where the title comes from. See, we were six feet apart, you know, playing. We had our masks on and to feel comfortable without even getting together to play, we did it and he had this uh, garage that he had turned into kind of like a teaching and rehearsing space. So the garage door was up, it was winter time. <laughs> 
So we're freezing our butts off. We're both in winter jackets, you know, blowing on our hands to stay warm and uh, masks on, hats. And it's, I don't think I've ever played Pondero in, in, in that kind of weather before. And I don't think I ever want to try it again. But anyway, it just kind of snowballed from there. It was just like right away we just saw this musical affinity and, that we had. And, uh, and I think on a, on a weekly basis, as much as we could, um, we just we just started to play some and just the, the repertoire just organically one day I just we just started to write down all the tunes and I said Alex we got like 20 tunes or you know but why don't you take why don't you take over Alex I'm sure you probably have, have something to add yeah I guess <laughs> I mean I need to go back I guess to my college days at East Carolina over in uh, Greenville North Carolina and I guess for some reason they had had some uh exchange program with the university in Brazil I I can't remember which one it was but there were like three or four Brazilian students at school at the time and then there was a guy who had gone down and done a program down there and he was back so he had played Pandero and he had had uh one of, one of Scott's albums, this guy, uh, Alex Smith, who I think he was up in Michigan last. I haven't talked to him in, gosh, 10 years at this point. Um, so my freshman year of college, uh, I played in like a trio with uh, with him playing Pandero and a guitar player. And we gigged and we, you know, worked out all the stuff. And he was like totally, you know, he's like totally coming from Scott's thing, you know. So in college, I was like transcribing. Uh, what's the guy? Ha, ha, I'm going to say it all wrong. Hafa, Hafael. Oh, right? Well, Rafael is, but no, wasn't it the Deutsche Mundus uh, album? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, it was David Feldman. David Feldman. I mean, just super, super kill. So that was like, you know, definitely influential to me. I was working on it in college for sure. Um, but he he was done with grad school at that time. So after that, I didn't have any experience with it uh, really until Scott just popped up one day on the thing. I was like, yo, I like, <laughs> totally have your album, of, you know, uh, pretty wild. So just crazy happenstance circumstance uh coincidence whatever you want to call it uh, coincidence <laughs> it is wild and uh yeah you're a pirate uh, i've i had my first undergrad from ecu but from way back in, in the day uh okay. and uh, i know they have a good music school there i i wasn't a major at the time but i i did take classes there and dabbled a bit and uh that's a that's a heck of a program there did you get a performance degree there i did yep yep cool Absolutely. and where are you from originally uh, I grew up right outside Washington, D.C. in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, wow. How'd you end up at ECU? Gosh, so my, um, I'd gone to this jazz camp uh, all throughout middle school and high school uh, run by this guy, Paul Carr, who's just uh, like a D.C. staple saxophone player, uh, tons of amazing students. Um, and the piano instructor there was this guy, John Osmond, um, who I ended up taking lessons from all throughout high school. And he and uh, Carol DeShield, who was the head of the program at ECU, mm -hmm. played back in like uh, back in the day with uh, Maceo Parker's band, all through that stuff. So when I was looking at schools, I kind of, you know, <laughs> I can't say my, my grades weren't great. I wasn't really like a student student, you know, just kind of looking for anything. So I was like, hey, John, you know, what kind of a program? What, what would you see to look at? He says, oh, my good buddies got this program down there. You should check it out. And there was a really great drummer who I had known uh, who had just like the year before me had gone down there. It's like, oh man, he's going down there. Hell yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. Uh, yeah. Mike Spam. So yeah. that was that was it. No more thought than that. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I took a class with the Shield. I took jazz history, I believe. And yep. he is a character. I loved him. That's he is a character. That's he's got stories on stories, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. yeah, but he played with everybody. I mean, it seems like uh, anybody who's anybody in the '80s 
the seventies and eighties. Yeah, he's got yep. stories. Yeah. Such a such a killing bass player for sure. Oh, monster. Yeah, awesome, cool. And what brought you to Asheville, Alex? Uh, when I was done with school, I kind of uh, I can't say that Greenville has the most exciting music scene to be a part of. Uh, not a lot of places to play. Um, so I just kind of heard rumblings while I was in school of the scene over in Asheville. Um, and it seemed like a hit place. I'd known a couple people were there. Um, and I just kind of, you know, I took a couple months off, worked on a farm and then packed my car up and moved down, found the cheapest place I could find. And just, you know, got tried to make it happen at that point. We okay. just took over, just took over the town. That was it. <laughs> yeah. When you were here, you were everywhere. I mean, I, I remember seeing like you and just a million different projects. Like, how does he do all this stuff at once? But it's, you must be committed. So, lots of naps. Lots yeah. of napping. Yeah. <laughs> lots of naps. Lots of naps. Got to get really, you know, organize your Dropbox folder. That's about right. it. <laughs> so you're in, a, you're in a master's program up there in Montreal? In the master's program here at uh, McGill University. Cool. You're doing a performance uh, so degree? Not, a performance. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so, but not leaving. You know, I'm not, not you know, still definitely going to be back this summer and hope to play some gigs mm-hmm. and all that. So not a permanent move it's just a a little a little covid jaunt (laughs) (laughs) yeah john we're thinking of we're thinking of you know meeting back up in Asheville, probably you know in the the spring or or summer and try to celebrate the release of the album with some with some performances one the 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 part of the story that we that we didn't get to was things kind of came full circle with the porch scene because you know we met on that porch oddly enough on logan then I wound up renting a house when I left the Airbnb scene. I rented a house on Logan. And once the vaccines came about and the weather got better, um, Alex and I started, we did a few porch concerts over on my place, you know, the small things, but just to kind of like share the music with some people. So what we were, had been, had been up to during the, during the lockdown. So, yeah. uh, but hopefully, you know, when we do the release, uh, we will, maybe we'll, we'll upgrade and, and leave the porch. Yeah. Do a venue. Yeah. Take, take some bigger stages. You know, <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. It's nice and quaint, nice and cozy. I, I, I love it. Actually, the acoustics are great on that, on that porch. It's surprisingly. Yeah. yeah that yeah. hollow floor that you got there. The hollow music. floor, that wood, you know, all the wood. <laughs> I loved it. You I never lived in a house. Slightly decayed is what you need. Exactly. I never lived in a house before, John. I was, I was an apartment dweller my whole life, just a very urban city boy. Upbring city boy. And mm-hmm. uh, I was loving that that porch. I mean, I still have the house. I've got someone subletting it there. So I do uh, I do have to head back. I, I was only coming down to Rio to, to take care of some uh, some visa issues did not lose my permanent visa and a few weeks turned into a few months. So I just was like, well, I don't need to go back during winter. Do I, you know, so <laughs> yeah, let, let, well. let, let all that blow, blow by. And then I'll, then I'll be back wow, Wait for so Alex to get back to town. Otherwise I'll be there. I'm in you know? Right. So you have a foothold in New York city, Asheville and Rio. That's, that's quite a, a footprint. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, indeed. So, Sounds like you're uh, one of those musicians who can't stay put. You're, you're always on the go, right? Uh, a, little, a little bit, but you know, yeah. at some oh, point. Soul, I think, is what you call that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alex, settle down. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, let's get to this record. Uh, I've been listening yeah, to um, the tracks you sent and loving it, um, and really digging the arrangements. And uh, you know, you're doing your spin on you know some standard tunes and. Um, 
I'm really amazed by the bass tones you can get out of that little instrument. Was it only like six or seven inches diameter? How big is it? It's a, uh, it's a 10 inch diameter mm-hmm. drum. Mm-hmm. It's about, hold on, since, uh, since we've got video. It's just the podcast, Scott. They can't see it. <laughs> I, I know, but I'm going to show it to John. John can see it's it. Show it um, for my, my education. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's 10 inches okay. in diameter. It's about, uh, it's, it's funny. They were from Brazil. They, you know, they use the metric system, mm. but they refer to the diameter of the drums in inches. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but the height in centimeters. Always, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. That's so odd. it's four and a half centimeters high mm. with 10 inches diameter. It's got a yeah. goat skin, a fairly thick goat skin mm. and uh, six sets of jingles, you know. And um, yeah, you tune it low, you close mic it. Well, actually, in the studio, it's not so close mic, but for live performance, like a, a close mic. But yeah. there are a lot of microphones on that drum for that session. <laughs> yeah. Which made, mix, which made mixing it a very, uh, very lengthy process. Can you connect microphones to it or are they all just kind of like positioned around it? Uh, for live performance, I connect. I, okay. I clip a mic onto it so that I can move around because I move yeah. a lot when I it. Yeah. But uh, in the studio, you know, you want to use high, the, the, the clamped on mic captures way too much noise that you don't want yeah. on, a, on a recording so hmm. it's um it was a collection of you know high quality mics all over the place so. awesome yeah and you you recorded that in nashville right we did and I, i'd love to give a shout out actually to uh, the engineer who who moved to Asheville. i'm not sure alex might know when in the last few years i believe from new jersey a guy named phil ludwig and his studio is called uh seclusion, seclusion yeah. music and Phil's a wonderful guy, nice little studio in his house, a grand piano. Beautiful, um, beautiful, piano. beautiful, beautiful piano, and just a wonderful guy with great ears. And he did a spectacular job with the capture. And then it was mixed and mastered down here in Brazil. Okay. And you just cut those tracks live. I imagine you did it pretty quickly, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm not used to recording in the studio. That was kind of a brand new thing for me. I have like very little, I mean, really? you know, I've done like some sideman stuff with people, you know, over at Echo, Echo Mountain and the occasional thing, but never like a, a project like this where it's like my name on it and yeah. you know, my, my thing. So uh, that was really kind of my incentive to begin with to do it was just to have the experience to do it. Um, just because, you know, I, I, I definitely struggle with knowing that the record button is on and having that extra layer of knowing that everything you're about to do is going to be what you're going to be listening back to under the and, microscope. Yeah. Yep. And oh, so yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just getting in that mindset and kind of learning how to like push that away and just fully be in the moment. Um, it, I think it's just like, it's like exposure therapy. You just got to do it. Uh, and the more you yeah. do it, the easier it gets. So I was just kind of excited to just have a chance to play that, you know, beautiful Yamaha that, Phil's got over there mm-hmm. um, and, and do that. But it was, I would say, you know, I, I definitely felt like I struggled a little bit in the studio. I was dog sick, couldn't breathe out my nose, uh, not COVID. For really? the record. Yeah, not right. COVID um, but just, uh, yeah, it, it, more takes than I guess I, I would have preferred, but yeah. happy with the final product. He's been hard. He's been hard on himself. But, you know, it's, a, I mean, what, what Alex had, it's, you know, when he, what he took on was not for the faint of heart, you know, what people have to realize, like, you know, to play duo 
with with just one drum like this and have to cover the bass in the left hand mm. is, a, is, is a lot if you're not used to it. Even if you are used to it, it's a lot. Yeah. But, you know, this was something yeah, completely new. <laughs> yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was something completely, completely new. And, and you know, and it just all came about very organically, which was, which was, uh, which I loved. I, I loved the process because it was like, you know, from the first day we got together, hey, what do you feel like playing? Uh, you know, he'd start to play something that he that he already played or just thought of, and I said, hey, you know, I could throw this rhythm on it because, you know, even though it's a Brazilian drum, some of the rhythms I'm playing on the on the recording are Brazilian rhythms. Some are like my take on Brazilian rhythms, kind of personalized, and then some have absolutely nothing to do with Brazil. Like the, I think one of the tracks I sent you uh, could happen to you is just a six eight. It's an up tempo, mid up tempo jazz waltz, you know, mm -hmm. and then. Other things we do, just like flat out backbeat. You know, we, we didn't send you the track. Um, actually, you might have heard it on the, on, the, on the SoundCloud link, but we did a, an arrangement of a Steely Dan tune. That's like mm. a flat shuffle. out 12-8 12, 12, shuffle, exactly. Yeah. Like pretty a shuffle. shuffle. Pretty mm -hmm. shuffle. So it's like, um, you know, it was just, it was also nice. What I enjoyed was um, when we did do something with a Brazilian twist, it was fun to like have Alex coming at it from, not like oh yeah i know what that rhythm is necessarily but but more like let's just have it you know like we would talk about it a little bit sometimes but also just let it flow organically and then you know in terms of the the recording itself one thing that's important to mention is like we didn't go into the studio to say hey we're going to make a record we had agreed it was he said hey i'm going to get a master's i said what you know it's like <laughs> we just got this thing together you know, we need to let's should we should do something before you split? Should we do a bigger concert? Should we make a video? What should we do? Right, let's go in the studio, pick a bunch of the tunes. Like I said, we had like 20 something tunes. Let's pick seven and see how they come out. If we get one, we'll release one. Mm. You know, if we the two through whatever, whatever it was. In the end, we wound up canning one of them and 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 remain with six. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, let's, let's make an album out of this, you know? And it was, it was a nice process to show, you know, if I, this isn't my first album. I've got four out as a leader, right? So, um, but this was nice for me. It was always my project, my name, you know, me funding it, me, you know, it was always, it was, and it was nice to, to have it be like a partnership, you know? Yeah. And have, there was no original music. My last record had been all originals and this was all covers and, Many of them a product of like of, of of Alex's arrangements that he had already kind of thought of. Uh, some of them, and then it was just nice to share with people that knew my project from the past to show them this thing. Hey, look at this! Like I did a piano pandero duo on one track on one record. Actually, the record that Alex had, but never a whole album. So this, this so this was there was a newness to it, which was nice. It wasn't just like doing another record with one of the same formats, with trio or quartet or quintet. Mm -hmm. And playing it for folks who knew the music from the past. And I got to see the reaction like in, in New York when I visited. And then I got down to Brazil and showed it to folks. A lot of people really know the Pandeira well. And to see their reaction was really, was really nice. You know, like, hey, who's this piano player? Oh, yeah, he's this dude I found in this little town in North Carolina. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And how do Brazilians react to... Um the kind of hybrid style. Cause I know it's, it's a very deep seated uh, tradition there and, you know, they have their rhythms, they all have names and functions and everything um, yeah. are, 
are they really like traditionalists down there for the most part? Don't like to see the things get, you know, mixed up or are they cool with it? <laughs> oh man, that's a great, great question. Um, and it's, it's not easy to answer. The best answer is, you, you know, like kind of anywhere you'll find, you'll find examples of everything. Mm. I'm sure there are folks that, you know, would turn their nose up to it. Mm. Uh, but I know there are a lot of people who dig it. Cool. A lot of people. Yeah. It's been, it's kind of been blessed by, the project's been blessed kind of before the first, before I went in the studio to make the first album, I was in New York and had, um, did a little gig. I was just visiting home and I did a little gig with a guitarist named Freddie Bryant, who's actually been through Asheville several times, great guitar mm-hmm. player mm-hmm. and a saxophone player named Joel, Joel Fromm. It was just a powerhouse. Yep. And we played this little, this little coffee shop and I recorded it, you know, just like, just to listen to it later. And I brought that back with me to Brazil and I showed it to some people because I really wasn't like the confidence wasn't there yet. I was like, can I sustain this? Like just physically and sonically and when people want to listen to it, it's going to get born, you know? And um, so I kind of took it to some of my heroes down there, some of my biggest influences. And, you know, like I I got, it it sort of was blessed. almost like going to see the Godfather, you know, (laughs) like, like, and so it was really, it was great. And it gave, and, and that led me to record the first album. And then it just kind of come about. So at this point, like I like I've performed all over Brazil. Like I've 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 done you know large venues and festivals and stuff, and with mm-hmm. some of Brazil's really like finest instrumentalists. So it's kind of it's been accepted, yeah, already. So now at this point, it's just like another. You know, I was out of the scene for a while. Like I left the country, so people are like, oh, where's Scott? And then I kind of just left music for a while. So there's right now there's a little bit of a vibe of, of homecoming. And also in the Pandero community and hey, he's back, you know, kind of thing. And, and it's nice because it's like back, but oh, with a new guy, you know, with Alex, with someone, you know, a player they've never heard of before. And which is fun. It's fun for me, you know, to introduce another another musician, you know, and I'm t- going to try to see if I can get Alex down here for some shows. At some point. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. From from Canada to Brazil. It's I'll quite take a, a break from the cold for sure. Let's let's make it happen. <laughs> Very cool. All right, well, let's get to the first track we got here. Um, uh, a very w- a well-known uh, jazz standard, Billy Strayhorn tune, Lush Life. Uh, and you you put your own spin on this one. Um, uh, who brought this song to the table? I guess, I, I guess that was me, yeah. Okay. So this was one of your, uh, I guess, one of your repertoire tunes, but I guess you, yeah, you, you put a little really- spin on it, right? Totally. I mean, well, just, you know, playing with Scott, everything is going to feel a little bit different, but this is totally just one of my favorites to play. Um, really doing like a lot of solo piano. I had this uh, really cushy little gig out in Biltmore Village for a long time where they had a piano. We roll it out onto the street and I feel like I like really cut my teeth, you know, like, no, you know, it doesn't, and people are listening, people aren't, you know, but just having to play for like four hours and just fill that amount of time. Um, I really kind of just took that as like, I'm going to try to like use as little, you know, music as possible. I'm going to try to not pull out my phone and put up the I real bead, you know, just like really try to just see what I can do with what I know. And, you know, just, I think there's like a, a mental thing about, you know, you're not at home when you, when you play at home, you don't really realize how much you start and stop and how much you kind of, when nobody's listening you know, you, there's a lot of leeway, but when you're out in public like that, even if nobody's around, there's still like this feeling of like, okay, it has to have a shape and it has to have a form and I need to fill this time. So um, I feel like a, a lot of these tunes that we played on this album were 
kind of bred out of just that kind of thought process. And so a lot of these arrangements were just things that I'd kind of just over the years developed. And then of course with Scott and, you know, bringing all those different rhythms and all those different things, it's going to feel like, you know, I wasn't playing like a, any, any Brazilian type rhythms, uh, solo piano yeah. down there. Yeah, and just to, 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 you know, to add to that, what was nice was so like, for example, Lush Life, right? So, so Alex starts to play it the way he likes to play it. And I said, hey, I got an idea, you know? And, and so I started out, if I recall that, I used the rhythm from the Northeast of Brazil. It's called a seranda, but I didn't play a pure seranda. It was just like, um, I just kind of hinted at it a little bit. And then I, a lot of it's just instinctive. It's not thought out, but just, and I know I was kind of dipping between a seranda and a rhythm called bayão both of Northeastern rhythms. And then, and then it just kind of goes off into its own thing. And, um, but I love doing that, you know, where it's just sort of like mixing the stuff all together in a, in a stew pot, you know, and, and you don't need to be able to put your finger on exactly what it is. It's not, it's not important. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as it feels good, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's get this tune a spin. This is Lush Life from the forthcoming album, Six Feet Apart by Scott Feiner and Alex Taub.
right, and we're back here with Scott and Alex listening to their new album, Six Feet Apart. Uh, the next tune we're going to check out is It Could Happen to You, another jazz standard. Um, who uh, who brought this one in? I think, Alex. again, that, that was me. Yeah, I, I, I want to say, I think I called all, all of these tunes. I, I don't, is there <laughs> one that you had, uh, I feel like Scott maybe had um, really pushed for a Dan tune. Um, because I, I'd been in that, well, I'm, I guess I'm technically still, I'm going to be playing with them this summer, that uh, uh, Dirty Logic uh, in Asheville. Um, so uh, all that repertoire had kind of just been, you know, in my brain for the last couple of years. So I feel like Scott had kind of pushed to, to want to do that because I guess he's a fan. That's his generation, you know? Oh. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, oh, oh the generational divide. <laughs> oh, that's that's fine but, actually, but alex alex here's a question though i can't remember whose idea was it to play in six eight for it could happen to you yeah we I had remember. tried it so many different ways yeah because John, norm, normally remember. this tune normally this tune like chet baker has a version it's like a ballad you know or like a slow swing ballad normally it's it's almost always in four and usually it never goes for the most part, you don't usually hear it go beyond mid-temp, you know, kind of a medium swing. Yeah. Okay. So we did it as like a medium up 6-8. Cool. All right. Well, let's give it a listen. This is It Could Happen to You from Scott Feiner and Alex Taub.
And I'm back here with Scott Finer and Alex Taub. The last tune we're going to spin today is the Paul Simon classic, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Um, but of course, uh, done in a whole other fashion. And uh, it all, any, any drummer out there knows about the, uh, uh, the Steve Gadd classic version with the, that awesome drum beat that no one else can do except for Steve Gadd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, uh, but you put a, another spin on it. Still has kind of a shuffly feel, but a little bit different. Was this based on a Brazilian rhythm? Uh, how do we do this one again? Yeah, this one has uh, this one has some biome to it, and then it goes to a backbeat on the bridge. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it's kind of a biome, which is a, a a northeastern Brazilian rhythm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to mess around with Steve Gadd's thing. <laughs> Try to do that. that just would be silly. Man, I should, Alex. I got to send you later. I saw. I saw. A clip. Uh, I've sent both of you guys. I, I saw something online on YouTube the other day of a Steve Gadd, some kind of clinic. He gave. It was just absolutely ridiculous. It was mm-hmm. just so great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I figured I'd leave that. I'd leave that intro alone. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's one of those drummers that you know he wasn't a blazer, but he had the most perfect technique, and everything he did was exactly what the song needed. And I've exactly. always been a, a big fan of his. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. this is this is a really cool take on this tune. Uh, let's give it a spin. This is 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by Scott Feiner and Alex Taub.
And I'm back here with Scott and Alex, guys. Thanks for uh, sharing your music and uh, coming together from different three different countries here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, should we be looking forward to a record release party this summer? TBD, but yeah, I hope so. I mean, we hope so. Yeah, I, I um, it'd be great if any uh, any listeners out there. I don't know when when this will go to air, but uh, you know, any bookers or this. <laughs> You know, somebody wants to. I mean, there's. I, I, Alex has been in town longer, but Alex isn't one for like for, for hustling gigs. I don't. I, I got. You know, I was only there for a year, so you know, to, uh, maybe the Leaf Festival or, or 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 you know, to something. Um, you need yeah, like an intimate listening room, like maybe upstairs at Isis, possibly uh, something like, to that effect. Yeah. yeah, I don't know all these places. Like, I, yeah, I went to Isis once, but it was because COVID. It was I was outside. Mm. You know? So I yeah. don't know. So yeah, I'm open to recommendations and, and wherever uh, you know. Yeah. Although I don't want. think they, I don't know if they have a piano up there. I don't think if you'd need a real acoustic piano, that probably wouldn't work out. Last I checked, they had a uh, they an, an old band up there. I think so. Yeah. If they if they okay. still do, I mean that's the thing. Gosh, with COVID and everything, everything has changed. The whole scene has changed. It feels almost yeah. kind of detached at this point, uh, and especially you know being uh, far away at this point. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so hopefully we can uh, we can drum something up the summer yeah. intimate's good for sure intimate yeah. is definitely good yeah late late spring early summer mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's quite quite possible um and i just realized something too we should we should definitely give a shout out to our uh, to our man zach page who uh who made the intro absolutely yeah good old zach page <laughs> the hardest working man in show business how to thank Zach Page. Three gigs, one night, always. Man, that's crazy, right? And his brother, Andy's the same way. Like oh, they man. such monsters. I don't know how they do it. And Andy teaches at upstate and gigs incessantly. So Andy has a yeah. family. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, Zach's been Zach's been very uh he was very welcoming from when uh, when I arrived to town. We were introduced by that guy Freddie Bryant, who I mentioned. Uh, we Freddie and I did a little duo little dual content informal thing and Zach came we met and then he was just yeah he's just if any 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 connections or advice or, he's just very very giving yeah welcoming guy yeah he is probably the most connected person on the scene is like a three degrees of separation for Zach Page for everybody in town <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think so <laughs> one degree one degree of separation. just one yeah small yeah. town yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. well thanks guys I appreciate the time and uh thanks hey. for for reaching out and uh We'll uh, hopefully see you back in town this summer. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Asheville Sound, the first one of the year. And thanks again to Scott Feiner and Alex Taub for joining me. Please check out their brand new album, Six Feet Apart, available on streaming services. And as always, y'all take care. Music starts in the mind and the heart continues in time forever as art and recording can either be tough and annoying or something that's clearly more lush and rewarding. It's gotta be better than just good or great. It needs to hit hard like Babe Ruth at the plate. From rock, hip hop and dance music to blues or pop, hard bop and swing music, you choose. As a working musician, I can truly relate. So let's rap about your project and schedule a date.
My name is Matt Williams, producer at The Eagle Room. I'm grateful to have helped so many artists create their music in this wonderful space, where together we have the talent and tools to bring ideas into reality. The Eagle Room is an efficient, full production recording studio with in-house mixing and mastering, high-quality equipment, and award-winning attention to detail. Visit TheEagleRoom.com to find out more.